practice. That's the only place you're going to find real grace is inside of, of dwelling with, in, with Christ Jesus. You're not going to find it outside of him. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men. Boy, isn't that talking about the Great Commission and discipleship right there? Whatever you've heard, whatever you've acquired spiritually into your life, don't just hang on to it. Go give that to somebody else. Who shall be able to teach others also? It's got to be a perpetual, you know, the farmers, they plant. They water. They, they, and then they harvest. And then the next year after the snow melts, they plant. They harvest. And some of these farmers have been doing this their whole life, 40, 50 years. And they do it perpetually every year. They don't even think about it. Okay, it's time to... They know when, when winter's almost over, they're out there in the barn, you know, working on the tractor, oiling it, and getting it ready to go. Because they know as soon as that ground gets soft enough, they've got to go out there and turn it over. So it's a perpetual thing. Thou therefore endure hardness. Isn't that what a farmer does? Sometimes it rains so much you put the seed in the ground and it just washes away. They gotta endure some of that stuff. As a good soldier of Jesus Christ, no man that warreth entangles himself <clears throat> with the affairs of this life. Doesn't mean you're not gonna have affairs of this life. They just don't entangle themselves with it. Don't get hung up with it. Don't get hung up on the stuff going on around you. Just keep your eyes on him. That he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. Isn't that what it's all about? Brother Jones preached that first night he preached at camp. I think about it. It's, it's all about the will of God. Everything we do is about pleasing him. It's for his glory. That's what he said. It's, we doing it all for his glory. Everything we do is for his glory. Or it should be. <clears throat> and so we're going to get into the, the last part of this lesson tonight called Growing in Grace. And I'm going to skip over to number four, and I'm really not going to follow the paper all that much, but that's kind of where I'm going to go from is where it says practice self-denial every day. It's kind of the, 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 the launch. I'm going to kind of launch from that and just I, I put some things down and, and use some of the scriptures that were there, and I just kind of listened to the Lord and let him lead me to what I thought, what he thought I should say. And so we're going to jump right into this. So. Talking about denying self. What has that got to do with grace? Somebody, Anybody asked that in your mind yet? What's that got to do with grace? When I was sitting down looking at this, I'm going, what has this got to do with grace? Yeah, a whole lot. Because without his grace, you can't deny yourself. You, We need his grace, not... And, and yes, grace is unmerited favor, but it's more than that. Brother Parker already brought that out, and I like to look at grace as this. It's, it's God's empowerment in my life to do things I can't do myself. His grace is what, is what well, we'll talk about that. But his, it's, it's empowerment, because without him we can do nothing. Without him we cannot do one single thing. In him we, Paul told those people on Mars Hill, in him we live and move and have our being. You can't even breathe. It's his air. Unless he allows it. Right? Praise God. Luke 9, 23 and 24. Are we, are we on it back there? 
Luke 9, 23 and 24 says, And he said unto them all, who was he talking to, the disciples? If any man will come after me, if any, I like to just leave the word man because that really means humanity. So if any will come after me, let him or let them deny themselves and take up his cross daily, not just once, but daily, and follow me. Be like me. Model yourself after me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. So what was he what was he talking about here? Let me get my Bible. Prior to this scripture, it says in verse 18, And it came to pass, as he was alone praying, his disciples were with him, and he asked them, saying, Whom say ye the people that I am? So he was alone with his disciples. He, once again, he was trying to put everything into them that he could, because he knew that his time was short, and he was going to have to leave them in charge. And so he was trying to teach them things, that was going to help them to launch this church and to keep it moving. Right? Verse 19, the answering said, John the Baptist. But some say Elias, and others say that one of, one of the old prophets is risen again. And he said unto them, but whom say ye that I am? Peter answering said, the Christ of God. And he straightly charged them and commanded them, to tell no man that thing. What thing? That he was Christ. Why would he tell him that? Saying, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be slain and be raised the third day. And then right after that, Right after all of that, he's given them, he's given them a heads up that he's getting ready to go to the cross. I've got to be rejected. I've got to be beaten. And all these things are going to happen to me. And then he, then he goes right into, and he said unto them, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. He hadn't even died on his cross yet. He was trying to tell them, if you're going to do this, you're going to have to do it the way I did it. Follow me. He was giving them, he was letting them know, when you see me on that cross, I'm giving you a picture ahead of time. What, what, 
what was Jesus' life all about? His whole adult life. We're going to talk about that. In the, the NET Bible full notes in Luke 9.23, it says, Only Luke mentions taking up one's cross daily. And that, that, that concept, it says in there, is to bear the cross means to accept the rejection of the world for turning to Jesus and following him. We gotta accept the rejection of this world because we made a decision that we're gonna follow Jesus. That we're not gonna drink anymore. That we're not gonna smoke anymore. That we're not gonna cuss anymore. We're not gonna laugh at the dirty jokes anymore. We're gonna, we're gonna be different, peculiar. Does anybody ever feel that? You feel, the devil wants you to feel all left out like, I'm so weird. But we are not weird, folks, let me tell you. We are a peculiar people, and that means that we are separated. He's like, a, he separated us because we're special. And I'm going to tell you something right now. There's a lot of hurting people out there that you can't see it on the surface, but there's a lot going on in their lives, and they're looking at us sometimes going, man. How do they have so much peace in the midst of all that they're going through? I don't get it. And they they get around us. You know, we're full of the Holy Ghost. We're full of the presence and the power of God. I don't know if you ever, how many remembers when you first came in one of these churches, what you felt, and you didn't know what that was you felt, but you felt something. And you knew it wasn't the air conditioning because it was December. But you felt something. And you were like, have you, anybody ever heard anybody testify? I don't know what I felt when I walked in there, but I felt something that I've never felt in any other church before. And those people that are out there right now, they feel that around us. And they don't know what it is. And I've said it before. I've got people that when I first got to my job that would just cuss on at the drop of a hat. And now when I'm around... They just start picking different words right as they're about to come out of their mouth. They just kind of like, it's like it stops right there. <laughs> and they pick a different word. Or then they'll let it spill out and then they'll say something silly like, excuse my French. <laughs> and I'm going, that's not French. <laughs> not even close. So it. This, this taking up this cross, it's, it's all about discipleship. It involves death that is like a crucifixion. Yes, when Jesus died on the cross, he died for our sins, right? Past, present, and future. But he's telling his disciples and he's telling us that we got to take, if you're going to follow me, you're going to have to deny yourself and take up your cross daily. And follow me. Now, I find it interesting that he didn't say, you're going to have to take up my cross. There's a lot of, there's people in this world in other countries that literally, when it comes time of year for Easter, they literally get a cross and they literally carry it through town and they literally get beaten with whips and they, they play the whole thing out just like if they were Jesus. And then they literally let somebody nail them to a cross. Blood and everything. 
because they're trying to be like Jesus. But that's not what he said. He said, take up your cross and follow me. Is your cross the same as my cross? Nope. We all have our our own burden, our own cross to bear in this life. Things that I have to struggle with, you might not have to struggle with. Things that I might have to endure, you might not have to endure, and vice versa. Yeah, I might not have anybody in my family that's got cancer, but I got all kinds of other situations going on, right, that I don't really like. But, you know, he allows these things in our life for our perfection. He warned his disciples. He told us, you're going to be persecuted. You're going to go through stuff. You're going to have trials and tests and and difficulties and temptation. But with the temptation, the Bible says, he'll make a way of escape that you'll be able to bear it. He said, you're going to have temptations. I'm not taking those away. I'm talking about denying ourselves. We need his grace. We need his empowerment to get through some of this stuff. I don't want the Lord to ever stop working on me. I don't. Whatever it takes for him to perfect me and get me to the place where I know I'm ready and he knows I'm ready. I don't ever want the Lord to stop working on me. I don't ever want to get to the place where I think I've arrived. And Lord, I got this now. It's a dangerous place. That word deny... Uh, in the Greek, it basically means to deny, refuse, uh, and it means to use the word abnegate. I'd never heard that word before. And it means, the word abnegate means to renounce or reject something desired or valuable. Is your life valuable to you? Is your life, do you desire to have a good life? Is your life valuable to you? What did Jesus just say? He that saves his life will lose it. He that loses his life will save it. We are not our own, folks. We've been bought with a price. And the implication in that scripture is is exactly what it you think it is. It's slavery. When you're a slave, they put you up on the block and you stand there maybe naked in that day, and everybody around you in their bidding to try to get you as a slave in their home to the highest bidder. And Jesus paid the ultimate price for us. So we are not our own. Praise God. And it speaks of Christ when he stands and what he stands for He allowed himself to be denied, rejected, and crucified. He said, he told the disciples that was going to happen. And he allowed it. And that word abnegate means, it's talking about denying oneself, meaning to disown and renounce self. What does that mean? We're talking about denying ourselves. We're talking about the grace of God. Without the grace of God, we cannot do this. 
you know, you can get a, a whip and beat yourself like some people do. They literally, you know, flog themselves. That's not what it's talking about. He made us to be flesh. And our flesh don't like to, to not be in control. Let somebody pull out in front of you on the interstate. When you were just tooting along in the fast lane, got your crews on, and you're just, you at a good rate, you're not speeding, and then some somebody pulls out in front of you and does 55 in the fast lane. We like to be in control. We like to be in charge, don't we? We do. But, but Jesus is telling his disciples and telling us, if you're going to do this, you're going to have to deny yourself. You're going to have to disown and renounce self. Yes, he died on the cross for our sins. But we, he's telling them and telling us, you got to deny yourself. I'm not making you do it. He's not making us. we got to do it willingly. You know, that song says, not my will, but thine be done. Pray Jesus, and let this same prayer be mine every day. I need his help. I need to get this humanity, this flesh out of the way. Luke 19, line, excuse me, Luke 9, 18 to 22. Luke 9, 18 to 22. Says, and it came to pass as he was alone praying, his disciples were with him and asked him saying, um, we already read this, so I'm already getting ahead of myself. So we, we got a cross we got to bear. Philippians 2, 5 through 8 says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Well, what kind of mind did he have? We're talking about a mindset there, aren't we? Let this mind, this this way of thinking being you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Well, he was God, wasn't he? But made himself, I like this part right here, of no reputation. And took upon him the form of a servant. That word servant in the Greek is slave. And was made in the likeness of men, just like us. And being found in fashion as a man, what did he do? He humbled himself. He humbled himself. He humbled himself. Nobody made him. God didn't make him do that. He knew what he had to do. He probably didn't like it in the flesh, but he humbled himself and became obedient unto death. Even the death of the cross. In verse 5, they're talking about let this mind be in you. It means to think, to have a mindset, to be minded. The activity represented by this word involves the will, affections, and the conscience. So you've got to have this little conversation with yourself. And you have to remind yourself, if you've made the decision that you're going to be a follower of Jesus Christ, You've got to make this decision every day, and you're, I'm not in charge. 
If you got to stand in the mirror and talk to yourself in the mirror, you got to tell yourself, I'm not in charge here. And if we really believe that God is totally in charge, when stuff happens in our life that just totally whacked out and we're like, where did that come from? If we're really at peace with the fact that we are no longer in charge of our life, that anything and everything that happens in our life happens because he's allowing it or he's causing it to happen in our life, when we have that kind of peace about that, nothing is going to phase us when it comes. We're going to say, well, bless God. That's the will of God, no matter what it is. Can you imagine having that kind of peace? Right? Where just nothing phases you. And my my thinking is, is the only way to have that is to have the mindset that you you totally don't have any any say whatsoever in your life. <clears throat> okay? Of no reputation in the complete word study Bible dictionary it says it's the meaning of that is to empty oneself, to divest oneself of rightful dignity by descending to an inferior condition to abase oneself. And we just like to kind of read over that that scripture there and just kind of move on. We don't want to stop on that deny yourself stuff. We want to just kind of move on from that because we like being in charge. But you know, when you when you repented of your sins and you stood at that altar and you said, who knows what you said? God, I'll do whatever you want me to do if you'll save me. I'll do whatever you want me to do if you'll fill me with the Holy Ghost. So every one of us said something like that, right? I'll serve you, God. I'm tired of this life. And how many people take that back the minute they walk away from that altar? Right? Verse 7, his, it says in the words, complete word study Bible dictionary, his purposes in coming as a man was in order to die for the sins of mankind. He did that. The key idea to consider is that Christ was and is who he claimed to be, God. He appeared in the form of man. He walked in this on this earth as a man. He submitted himself to death. He humbled himself as a servant. He made himself of no reputation. What does that mean? Now, I'll tell you what I think it means. It, I think it means he didn't go out intentionally to create a reputation for himself. That's, that's pretty humble. That's pretty denying yourself, isn't it? But I'm going to tell you this. Jesus had a reputation, didn't he? <laughs> Not one that he mustered up. He had a, he had a couple of reputations actually. If you ask the religious Jews and all the Pharisees and scribes and Sadducees about Jesus, yeah, he had a reputation with them. <laughs> it wasn't a good one. <laughs> Not in their mind. <laughs> it wasn't that he went out to try to have that reputation. He was just doing he everything he did. If you notice in the New Testament. He said, I'm not doing this because I'm doing it. I'm doing it because it's my father telling me to do it. I'm saying it because he's telling me to say it. I'm not doing this for me. This is not about me. It's about him. 
And that's kind of the attitude he's trying to tell his disciples. Here, guys, here I am. I'm getting ready to go to the cross and die for your sins. I'm gonna, I'm showing you, I'm modeling humility. I'm modeling servanthood. He modeled it everywhere he went. Now, did he have a reputation with the believers? Absolutely he did. Because everywhere he went, what happened? People came from all over with all their sick and all their weak and all their ones that were full of devils and everything else, and they came to him. You know, word of mouth got around. All he had to do was heal one. All he had to do was turn the water into wine. And then, and word of mouth, man. So he, he had a couple of reputations, didn't he? But he didn't make himself of any. He didn't go out to have a reputation. He didn't care about his reputation. He let the Father care about that. He just did what he was sent to do. Because he knew he was going to be maligned and talked about and, and cursed at and all those lied on and everything else. We don't think we should have to go through that. Right? We don't. You know, we we kind of hold back sometimes, I think. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm the one that's doing that. But we do, because we like to be in control. We like to be in control. We like to control, as they say, control the narrative. What does that mean? What's the narrative? Right? Like the narrative that they're using right now in the media, like everything everything you do, if you breathe, it's racist. If you drive a car, it's racist. If you do this, it's racist. If you, they're, they're, they're overusing that word. Everything you do, if you think about it, it's racist. If you're, if you drive a certain color car, you're racist. I mean, it's just silliness. That's a narrative. We know that's not true, right? That's silliness. But that's the narrative that they're, if you keep saying that long enough, people are going to start going, you know, you're right. That is racist. And they're not even thinking about it. Hello? <laughs> Come on. Define the word racist. Most people couldn't. Right? And so we want to control, the, and that's the media. They want to control the narrative. Right? In, in other societies and societies where it's called communism, that's how they control the people. They control the narrative. And so that's what we try to do, isn't it? We try to control the narrative in our life, right? There ain't a person in here that don't like being in charge. There ain't one. We all, we like having a say. We like being able to make our own decisions. There's nothing wrong with that. God lets us do that. But we don't, I, th- I think in my life, sometimes I take it too far. And I don't let God decide for me. Right? Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 6 through 9. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 6 through 9. Is this all right tonight? Amen. For though I would desire to glory, 
I shall not be a fool, for I will say the truth, but now I forbear, lest any man should think of me above that which he seeth me to be, or that he heareth me. Wow, that's a mouthful right there. That sounds like a man that doesn't want anybody to think of him more highly than than they need to. He he's, This sounds like a man that's saying, I don't want to have any kind of reputation. I'm just a servant. Keep going. And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations. Wow, could you imagine God wanting to give us a bunch of revelations? Some wisdom, some things that he hasn't told anybody before. That's what he was doing to Paul. There was given to me. Now, let's. it was given to him. When you give something to somebody, what's that called? A gift. <laughs> he got a gift. There was given to me a thorn in the flesh. Now, can I return this? <laughs> Where's the return department? Can I return this? The mess, not a messenger, the messenger of Satan. That was his thorn in the flesh. The messenger of Satan to buffet me. How was Satan buffeting him? Anybody ever had Satan buffet you before? Come into your mind and tell you all kinds of lies and, oh, you got cancer. I know that, that pain in your, in your back, that's gotta be cancer. And he's just lying, 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 lying. Right? That's that messenger of Satan, and he was after Paul because he lost a good one. When he when he got saved and left left all that religion behind, he lost a good one. So he was after him, tooth and nail, buddy, I'm telling you. So it says here he was given. It was given to him. <laughs> God, I don't want this. That's what he said. Lest I should be exalted above measure. That's why it was given to him. So that he didn't get all lifted up and puffed up and proud. And thinking he was so smart and so cool and so everything else. For this thing I besought the Lord three times that he might, that it might depart from me. Can we do something? God, can we, can you, can we do something else? Something different? This is really getting under my skin. I, I you know, can we, can we try something different maybe? And he said unto me, the Lord said unto him, my grace is sufficient. My empowerment, my active, my activity in your life, because you've denied yourself, Paul, because you've made yourself of no reputation, because you gave up. Is that, isn't that what Paul did on the road? When he finally, when he, when the scales fell off his eyes and, and Ananias baptized him and he was filled with the Holy Ghost, he gave up. He gave in. He Everything that he was before that was toast. It was gone. He really lived. My life is not my own. I've been bought with a price. And so he said unto him, My grace is sufficient for thee, Paul, because you're, you're my vessel. And I'm going to use you in great and mighty ways. And I don't need you getting all puffed up and, and, and haughty and thinking that, that this is you doing this. So I'm sending this stuff to you, this gift that I gave you, this messenger of Satan to buffet you, so that you can stay humble, Paul, because I need you to stay humble. For his strength, Paul, the strength of the Lord is made perfect in Paul's weakness. That's what he's saying. When I, What does that scripture say? When I'm weak, then am I strong? 
right? Anybody been listening to the camp videos of Jones talk? Or was, yeah, Brother Jones talking about Jesus was standing right there next to Paul when nobody came to Paul's defense in the court. But Paul said, but, but Jesus was standing right next to me, so I wasn't alone. Anybody ever feel alone, like nobody's with you, like you're just out there? So then Paul goes, okay, most gladly, therefore, then, he settles himself. that He got the answer from God. Good enough, God. Most gladly, therefore, I would rather glory in my infirmities then, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Which would you rather have? Have it your way? Or have it God's way. And that's what Paul's saying here. Okay, 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 I get it, God. I don't get to have it my way, but if I'll get out of the way and let you have your way through this thing that I'm having to go through, this messenger of Satan to buffet me, the power of Christ is going to rest upon me. Who wants that? All hands should be up right now. I want the power of Christ to be to rest upon me. Don't you? When I walk in a room, I want people to say, what is that? Right? So we're, we're flesh. We're human will. Our intellect, our human will, our fleshly nature is not going to get the job done. Yes, God has to use us in this flesh. But he said in John 15, in verse 1 through 5, he talks about, if, you, if you'll abide in me and my word will abide in you, what did he say? You'll bear much fruit, right? Because without us abiding in him and him abiding in us, we can do nothing. But with him, we can do all things. That scripture that says, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Does that mean that I can use that and say, I can go fly an airplane? Mm, Just tell the guy, I don't need a lesson. I got this scripture right here. (laughs) And that the pilot, that, that instructor is going to go, yeah, no, not in my airplane. You're not right. So what does that scripture mean? I can do all things that he wants me to do by his grace. By his empowerment. If he called you to it, what is that one little saying say? He'll bring you through it. Right? It's not about how smart or spiritual or holy we are, but about who he is through us. Because we don't want, Brother Parker said this last week, I think, we don't want people to see us. We want them to see Jesus. We want them to see Jesus. And we, we need him to empower us. We need his grace. We need his mercy to do the things that he's called us and sent us to do. And why is that? Because, as I said at the beginning, it's all about his glory. He gets the glory if we just were a vessel. You know, a, a while back I preached a message called a cup or a conduit. You know, a cup. Is like this bottle of water. It's got a top and a bottom, and it can only hold so much. But if you cut the bottom out and take the top off and pour water in it, it'll just fall right out. Right? 
And that's the difference between us being in control and him being in control. When we relinquish all control, we become a piece of pipe. We're just the vessel. We're, he's just flowing through us. We're just letting him move through us and operate through us and send us places and give us what to say. And this man that was here Sunday, he didn't know that stuff was going to happen when he went to Arkansas and all those other places that he went to until he got there. And I just believed, I was sitting over there thinking, man, he just, he's just listening, listening to God, listening, waiting on God to tell him what to do. And when God said, this is what's going to happen and this is what you're going to say, he believed it because he's learned after so many times of that happening that when he starts feeling that and hearing that, he needs to listen and do what he's being told to do. And he's found out that if he'll do that, God will do what he said he was going to do. Oh, to operate like that, right? To be sensitive like that. You know, I had a friend back home. He was driving down this road, and he felt very strongly to pull in this driveway, and he was on his way to a painting job or something, and he was like, ah, I got I to gotta keep going. I got to get to my paint job. And the further he went down the road after he turned the curve by that guy's driveway, he said the more stronger it became until he got to the first stop sign, and he said it was just about to kill him. It was eating him up. It was like somebody was screaming in his ear, go back to that driveway. He said he turned right around, did a U-turn in the street. And went back to that guy's driveway and said, I don't know why I'm here, but I felt like the Lord told me to stop here. And that guy had been praying, asking God to send somebody. So, wow. Talk about being a conduit. Talking about just being sensitive and just saying, I'm not in charge, God. I know I'm on my way to work, but if you're telling me to stop, then you got a good reason to you know, with, that happened with Marcus and Brother Parker right here in this neighborhood. They were out walking and praying and right up the street here, and they just felt they, they had walked past this porch, and they felt to go back. And there was this lady sitting up on the porch crying, praying. Needed somebody to go pray with them. You know, you know we entertain angels unaware. Colossians 3 and 3 says, For ye are dead. And your life is hid with Christ in God. Right? I know our pastor emphasizes that a lot. We're dead. We're dead to self. Yeah, we're dead to sin. But even more than that, we need to be dead to self. You know, I I don't know why I feel to emphasize all this, but I just feel like the Lord's wanting me to emphasize it. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 12:10, therefore I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. Only a man that's humble can say that. Only a man that has denied himself and decided I'm going to take up the cross that the Lord has put upon me and I'm going to follow him whatever he tells me to do, even if it doesn't make sense. He had to go get on a ship and get shipwrecked on his way to Rome just so he, God could stop him along the way and save some people in a village. <laughs> he had to go to a prison with Silas so that he could save the jailer and his family. God's going to send us to some places where it's not going to make any sense. Like, why? I know you sent me here, God, but this is, do I have to go through this? 
right? He said, I take pleasure in those things. I just really enjoy going to jail, don't you? <laughs> Nobody says that and means it, right? Because when Christ was weak in the beatings, cruelty, and the crucifixion, then was he strong. They had no idea. The people that were crucifying him, they had no idea what they were doing was even was only making him stronger. They had no idea what they were doing. They would have never crucified him. They'd have known it was the Lord of glory, the devil, that said the devil would have never done that. But he got him again. So what's the end game? We need the grace of God. Let's sing this chorus. If you know it, it's His grace and mercy brought me 